What is up, Bitcoiners? It's your boy CK, and I sat down with the CEO of Argo Blockchain. Argo is one of the biggest players in the Bitcoin hash rate game. They are a huge miner. They are public in the UK, and they are bringing on hash rate in North America like no other. They're huge partners with Bitmain as well as other manufacturers, and they are keen on bringing energy uh, or green energy to the Bitcoin mining space and to make Bitcoin synonymous with green energy. Uh, I personally find myself aligning with, you know, wanting to uh, make Bitcoin a name in green energy. But I kind of have mixed feelings about kind of the way some of the ways that Peter framed that. Um, in general, um, I'm curious to the listeners what you think of some of the moves that DMG and Argo, two large players in the North American game, are doing in terms of like creating a green mining pool and stuff like that. Um, but outside of kind of a disagreement on that kind of marketing, I really found this interview to be extremely, extremely insightful. Um, Peter has kind of gone from uh, just a crypto enthusiast to the CEO of this huge company that is building such amazing infrastructure in the Bitcoin space. They are really making moves in bringing hash rate to North America. And he has a lot of insights around what manufacturers are, you know, key here to be paying attention to, how to deal with a Bitcoin treasury, why mining Bitcoin as a public company to begin with, and much, much more. Um, you guys are going to really like this podcast. And, uh, if you haven't heard of it yet, you're going to really like Bitcoin 2021 because this is the biggest, the baddest, the most epic Bitcoin conference in history. Nothing like this has ever happened. This is the biggest event in Florida since the freaking Super Bowl in January. Y'all aren't going to want to miss Bitcoin 2021. Go to b.tc, check out that website. Our speaker lineup is absolutely legit. It is absolutely stacked. Michael Saylor, Jack Dorsey, Nick Zabo, absolute legends. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so many more incredible movers and shakers in the space that are going to be at the conference. Everyone's going to be there in person. Uh, we are about to completely sell out. I would be remiss not to tell you that. 10,000 spots, almost all completely gone. Our ticket prices have increased because of that scarcity, if you want to be at the biggest, baddest, most historic Bitcoin event in history, you need to go to b.tc forward slash conference. Go check out the Bitcoin 2021 conference. It's happening June 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Miami, Florida. It's not one to be missed. Y'all, use promo code Satoshi to save yourself 10% off. I'll see you in Miami. Enjoy this fantastic episode with Peter Wall, the CEO of Argo. Bitcoiners, I am sitting across from the CEO of Argo Blockchain, Peter Wall. Welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Thank you, Christian. It's great to be here. So, Peter, uh, for the people who don't know who you are and don't know what Argo Blockchain is, why don't you give the listeners a quick introduction into why they need to get up to speed and all the amazing stuff that you're building? Sure. Um, thank you. Uh, Argo Blockchain is a publicly listed uh, cryptocurrency miner. We're listed in London. We were the first cryptocurrency company to list on the London Stock Exchange, um, and still, really, the the main kind of crypto stock, you know, or, or crypto um, company that's that's in the UK. Um, we are also available in. We also trade in the US on on the OTC market, 
And we have mining facilities in yeah, Canada and the U.S. Um, and yeah, we've been mining for for a while now. We uh, we love crypto. I guess. Can you tell me a little bit about mining, right? Um, you know, and and I guess before we get into that, actually, uh, a little bit about yourself and your background. How did you get into Bitcoin and crypto, and and you know, how did you kind of get involved with mining? Sure. So I um, first heard about crypto back in 2013, 2014. I was living in in Indonesia, of all places, in 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 Bali, and running a co-working space. And a guy walked in and started talking about Bitcoin. And I was like, "What?" And he, you know, said, "Look, this is the future of money. It's this digital currency. It's amazing. You guys should take it here. You should accept payments." I'm, you know, I've left my job in the United States, and I'm now a Bitcoin evangelist which we were all like, wow, that's bizarre. Um, and he kind of quickly launched this community of crypto enthusiasts in, in Bali and gathered people and started kind of talking about Bali as a Bitcoin island. Um, similar, we've seen it kind of in other places pop up around the world. And we were kind of at the heart of that. So we accepted Bitcoin as payments from our members. Uh, we had weekly meetups. Uh, we had a Bitcoin ATM, which was which was awesome. Um, and so I became you know somewhat fluent in the language of cryptocurrency through kind of that you know proximity to to all of that. I was still running the business and had obviously lots of other things, but you know I got my first wallet and and kind of learned about about the whole ecosystem. Um, that I was not way. expecting then, that. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean that's the thing about crypto. Like people, you know, there's it's a rarely um, it started as a niche world, and you know like it's. It's now become it's now become a thing, and and it's funny how, you know, now even now you run into people and they're like, oh yeah, I was back, I was in crypto back in 2016. Everyone I meet, I just I just notarize something on the on the uh, over the internet, and the the notary guy's like, so you're you're you run a crypto company because he saw like in my job description, I, you know, Argo blockchain. I'm like, yeah, um, so it's it's uh, it's cool. I mean, um, and then you know, fast forward a few years, uh, I had a. a, a Someone I knew in my in my world who was launching at Argo, um, one of the original co-founders, um, and he called me up really like the first month of the business and said, "Do you uh, do you want to help get this thing off the ground? I need some help with operations in Canada." And I had just finished another project, and I was like, "Sure, you know, I'll I'll join the team for I thought for you know three months or six months. I didn't know how I was going to go, and and now I I and then you know a few years later I took over as CEO, and and now." We're one of the biggest, you know, publicly traded uh, mining companies in the world. Really, I feel like uh, Argo's story and your story is kind of, it's almost like Bitcoin's story. It just started in, you know, the the wilderness of the internet in like really kind of obscure corners and uh, all of a sudden just balloons into uh, this huge establishment. So um, that's really exciting. And I guess I want to like, why am I? Let me just, why, add, why, let me just add one thing yeah. on that, Christian, because because I think you're on to something there. And, and I think the cool thing about Bitcoin is that it's been, it's been like pronounced dead so many times. And like, I feel, you know, like our company has kind of been, we've been through enough cycles that now when we're in a cycle, whether it's up or down, it's just, you just kind of have to like go with the flow. And that's one of the things, it, this is the new, it's like, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day where they're like, you know, is it Bitcoin acting like stocks or are stocks now acting like Bitcoin with the kind of volatility that we're seeing out there, you know, in the world. And um, so I, 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 I appreciate that about crypto is that it, it kind of teaches you that, you know, one day you can feel like you're on top of the world and the other day 
the next day you're, you're in the gutter and you have to be okay with both. You have to kind of be able to, to, to ride the, the, uh, the roller coaster as it were. Yeah. Well, Bitcoiners have diamond hands and Bitcoin businesses definitely have a lot of experiences enduring volatility. Uh, later on, I would definitely like to pick your brain on, you know, how you think about just operations and business planning for, you know, bull run Bitcoin mining, bear market <laughs> Bitcoin mining yeah. and how you think about that. Um, but uh, I kind of want to stick to more, just more of an introduction to Argo first. Um, let's, I want to talk about what, why, why proof of work mining, right? Like why there's so yeah. many things happening in crypto generally. Right. And it sometimes it seems like proof of work and mining is like this, like, dirty stepchild but when it's really at the heart of all of it in my opinion but it's it's not the sexiest part of of crypto generally right like why why is argo blockchain in the proof of work game yeah it's it's a really good question um and yes you're right like you go to conferences and everyone's talking about like defi and talking about nfts or what like the latest thing tokenization of the world and then you're like, yeah, we're miners. You know, we're we're like the backbone of the whole thing, but no one really, you know, pays us any attention. And and I'm, you know, I'm good with that. And and that being said, you know, we do think our we do think of Argo as more than just a mining company. We do think of ourselves as a blockchain technology company. So we are engaging in in things outside of mining. We've made some DeFi investments. You know, we're ex- experimenting with proof of stake. Um, we, we we think of ourselves as technologists and as as you know, blockchain, um, you know enthusiasts so above and beyond just the mining we do we do engage in the ecosystem but the the company originally um became a miner or started as a miner because it was conceived as a mining as a service company which if you'll you know go back fast forward back to or rewind back to 2017 2018 there was lots of companies in the space that were setting up you know the likes of genesis that were setting up these mining as a service companies and so the founders of the company thought that that was a viable way to get listed because there was other companies that were already doing that um, and so, you know, they put together um, the, the the business plan along those lines. Now, it didn't last that long because pretty quickly after we did all of the work of setting up machines and setting up mining infrastructure, we realized it's actually more profitable as a company uh, to mine directly, you know, to your own account to be, you know, a so-called prop miner. So we pivoted in early 2019 from mining as a service, you know, really within the first year of operations, we pivoted away from uh, mining as a service to mine for our own account and have just been building our infrastructure ever since then with a focus on, you know, efficiency and a focus, a focus on um, clean power whenever possible. That's awesome. And I definitely want to talk about um, efficiency and clean power later on too. But uh, I, I do kind of want to talk about like the breakup of your business, right? So obviously mining is a big portion, right? And that's like the the cash cow of the business, but you're doing other things. Um, I kind of want to understand like what percentage of Argo's business is like Bitcoin mining versus altcoin mining versus staking versus like R&D and, and venture, you know, kind of venture investing. Like how do you kind of like break down the business as a whole? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, you know, the heart of the business in the short term and the medium term is is bitcoin mining that's where the bulk of our infrastructure is that's where you know 95 percent of our revenue is um and that's you know that we have to keep our eyes on the prize and make sure that that we're protecting and thinking about about that so that's kind of you know the core to everything we do currently um you know 10 years from now 20 years from now maybe even five years from now we'll we pivot away from that uh as we go through cycles and as you know both 
Bitcoin cycles and technology cycles, you know, likely there will be some some innovation that happens, and that's why we're kind of trying to build the, those stepping stones to get into the into the other parts of the ecosystem. So, what other parts of the ecosystem are we playing in? You mentioned altcoin mining. You know, we mine Zcash currently. We've mined, you know, over the last, you know, since 2018, over the over the three years of the company's existence, we've mined lots of different altcoins, everything from Ethereum to uh, Ethereum Classic to to Zen, to Zek. Um, so it's we've had a mix of, of all coins that we've mined over the years. Um, we've also, you know, we're also looking at doing some innovation around uh, proof of stake. We haven't announced anything yet, but that's obviously an area that's that's super interesting. And and an, we feel like there's an opportunity to generate uh, yield from. Um, DeFi, we have um, made an investment into Pluto Digital Assets, which is a UK company that's essentially a DeFi incubator and investor. Um, and they've been doing incredibly well, kind of making micro investments in small um, you know, DeFi projects that are early, early stage and really hard to get into, really kind of inaccessible for, for the average person and the, and the average investor. Uh, and even for us, given all of our focus on everything else, it's, it's hard for us to, to, to get into that into those deals. So that's that's been really exciting. And uh, they're planning to list in, in, in the future in the UK. Um, and then in terms of the R&D and the infrastructure side, um, we've just signed a deal with, with Navier, which is a, um, a cryptocurrency design and construction company in the US. Um, they've been around for a while. They've got an incredible team, similar to us, like a small, agile, kind of crypto-centric um, team. And they're going to help us build out West Texas and work on our uh, immersion mining kind of co-design our, our immersion mining that we're going to be doing now down there. So that's another big part of, of what we're focused on right now is, is infrastructure uh, in Texas and then the R&D that's going to go into that because we strongly think that immersion mining is, is the future um, given you know, the kind of efficiencies you can get out of it and the way you can push the machines um, when you put them in, in, uh, you know, in a bath um, in, in liquid and, and uh, yeah, it's just a great way to control heat. It's a good way to, to make the machines last longer and it's a good way to be able to, 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 to push them. So those are kind of all of the various pieces that we're, we're working on currently. All right, awesome. Well, that is a very, it feels like it's a very wide range of things, but at the same time, it, it does also feel like there's a, there's a, a constant theme there. Um, I guess yeah, I think if it you fits, could... I think it fits together, Christian. Like you know, that's that's the thing is like we do try to be consistent. Like we do get offers all the time from people like, you know, do you do you want are you interested in this? Are you interested in that? Like things that are a little bit outside of our area, um, and we we you know we're having to be disciplined about saying no because when you get to have the kind of brand that we have right now and the kind of recognition that we've had, you know, especially over the last six months. There's lots of you know inflow of of ideas and and um, and and pitches and projects, um, so we're trying to kind of make sure that we we're, we're you know we execute on the areas that we're good at, but we also stay open to new ideas. Yeah, it's like there's a, a DDoS of of in, inbound, right? And you kind of have to like have a good way of signaling or, or finding the the signal there without just cutting off the you know cutting off the flow completely. Um, it's definitely something difficult to, you know, have to deal with, but also a, a good problem to have. Right. Um, I, I want to transition the conversation and kind of talk about, like you said, you know, 90 plus percent of the business short to medium term is Bitcoin mining. You know, obviously Bitcoin pays you in Bitcoin. You have to manage a treasury in Bitcoin, um, as you know, 
you know, as a, a, a an operator like yourself, you know, a publicly listed company, you're, you're managing shares, you're dealing with that, you're managing a Bitcoin uh, cash flow. Like, how, how do you deal with like treasury management and, you know, dealing in Bitcoin and fiat at the same time? Well, 2020, um, you know, we had a system in place, but then 2021, 21, 20, 2021 started and everything kind of you know, changed um, because obviously we we started this uh, great bull run. So 2020, you know, we were um, acting like many other, <clears throat> like acting like many other cryptocurrency miners. We were mining Bitcoin, selling a portion of that Bitcoin on a regular basis, and converting that Bitcoin into fiat to pay our operating costs. Um, and that worked well. You know, that's that's a model in a. I don't want to say it, that's a bear market model, but that's in a, a model where things are not you know, super, um, supercharged the way they are right now in the kind of cycle that we're in right now. So we get into 2021 and what does that model look? What does the new model look like? The new model looks like we have more cash. We have, you know, our, our share price has increased. We've been able to do some equity raise. We have more cash on hand. Our operating costs, our margins are so good that our operating costs seem small and significant in, in comparison with the cash on hand and, and with the, the type of you know revenue we're bringing in for mining Bitcoin. So we haven't sold any Bitcoin so far in 2021. We've just been holding. Uh, we currently have, have yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been great. It's been it's a good model for us. So we have over 750 Bitcoin in Treasury right now. We mined 165 Bitcoin last month. Um, and um, and then moving forward, you know, it's 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 a it's a month to month, quarter to quarter decision. We look at Treasury. You know, we look at kind of what's what's how much cash do we need on hand to be able to cover off our operating costs, cover off things that we're, we're doing, like building out Texas. Um, so it's it's a balancing act, but um, it hasn't been that difficult in 2021 because we've been in this really privileged, privileged position uh, in, in this, you know, in this supercharged uh, run. Yeah, and I'm sure that the constraints around like ASIC production, delivery, all that kind of stuff have really, you know, lent to Argo's advantage because Argo has been, you know, ordering and building up your mining stash and equipment stash far before kind of 2020 started like throwing some major curveballs into, uh, into the supply chain. Yeah, we, we had a big install in early 2020 um, of like a really significant install or seemed significant at the time. Now, you know, things are moving so quickly that the numbers from 2019 and 2020 are small compared to what's coming now. Uh, and then we made another order at, in November at the end of 2020, and then we made another order in January. So all of that infrastructure, um, well, the, the all you know the the November order has already been installed. The the, the January one is being installed uh, in this in the second quarter this quarter. Um, so you know our, our yeah we're happy with where our infrastructure is. We've also signed. Um, a deal with Epic Blockchain. I don't know if you've heard of those guys. They're, you know, uh, miners or, or uh, ASIC developers out of ASIC mining developers out of Toronto. Um, really smart guys. Great track record in technology. You know, above and beyond crypto. They they worked in. They've been working kind of in in the world of, uh, you know, semiconductors for for years and years. Uh, and have great connections in Asia and a, a great track record of producing technology. So we're getting some machines from them um, in the second half of this year and, and into 2022, which we're really excited about. But it's, it's an interesting time right now, Christian, for, for you know, gear and for adding rigs because prices have, as you know, like the demand is high, supply is low, uh, return, you know, is good. Um, but when, so, so prices have really gone up 
and um, and so it's it's a it's an interesting time. It, it reminds me of kind of you know 2017 when you had a lot of mining publicly mining companies and, and just people in general like overpaying for machines. There was lots of people just throwing money at machines, and then you know there was a, a downturn and and people a lot of people went out of business because they had overcommitted to to certain technologies. So we're mindful of that. I'm not saying it's it's exactly the same. Obviously, this cycle feels different. It feels way more um, institutional. It feels kind of, you know, we, we think it feels more stable, even though there's obviously, you know, the, the kind of volatility that some volatility that we've seen. But, you know, volatility over 50K feels a lot different than volatility under 10K. Um, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I've had people coming out of the woodworks just saying, well, now that Bitcoin's here to stay, I guess I can. And like, okay, well, I'm glad that we're on the same page that Bitcoin is not going away. Um, so I want to dive deeper into the ASIC markets, but I do want to close out the treasury talk really quick. Like you as a CEO of a public company, you see a guy like Michael Saylor go out with a really aggressive uh, Bitcoin accumulation strategy and start leveraging even bond offerings uh, and, you know, issuing shares at some point uh, to potentially do it. Like, how do you kind of look at that? Like, let's call it financing strategy. And like, you know, how do you see your uh, Argo's place right now and its potential to kind of like leverage that kind of stuff to outcompete, to build out, uh, you know, facilities, acquire Bitcoin, acquire ASICs, that kind of stuff? Look, I think Michael Saylor has done a lot for um, the space. And obviously, you know, it's, it was just remarkable because a year ago, no one has heard and no one in the space had heard of his name. And all of a sudden, you know, in the fall of this year, he makes those announcements and makes those purchases. And then and then above and beyond that goes out and becomes an evangelist and, you know, tells a really great story about Bitcoin as a, you know, as a reserve asset, as gold 2.0, as you know, something that's worthwhile having on treasury. And he's been proven right. I mean, look at their, you know, average Bitcoin cost that they've, you know, purchased at. It's it's remarkable and they keep adding. So so I think on the one hand, you know, he's he's done this thing where he's added Bitcoin to um to their balance sheet. And that's been significant. But you're right that the one thing that he's done that a lot of people have have overlooked is he's also, you know, through Wall Street and through investment banks come up with some really creative financing um, instruments to allow people to get um, you know access to Bitcoin and to to pent up demand money. really and he's just solving demand. that for them. He's solving it. So I think it's interesting. It's something that we're 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 following. Um, you know, we're listed in the UK right now, so the ability to be creative, um, the way he's been creative, um, is is has is not quite there uh, for us, um, but it's obviously something we're following. And, and I think that, um, you know, those, those are the kind of innovations that, that we're going to see moving forward um, from, from public companies th that are in crypto and from public companies that are not in crypto. I mean, MicroStrategy, ironically, you know, they're one of the biggest companies listed in, in Block, the Block ETF, where we're also, you know, um, a holding. And and yet they they never you know mined Bitcoin. They have nothing to do with crypto other than they have a, a ton on their balance sheet. So it's it's uh, yeah it's it's fascinating. The They're way a user. They, yeah, exactly. They're a power user. Um, okay, that that's that's interesting. Um, so I want to dive back into like the ASIC market. Like, 
you know, you as you kind of said, it's volatile, like it's very hot. Mining, once again, is like something that is sexy and people want to do it. It's, you know, that is only really during the, the bull market. Um, but can you talk to us about like the actual market for ASICs? Like, who are the top players? I know that, you know, Argo has a relationship with uh, with Bitmain and you guys go there frequently. You know, you mentioned Epic. That was the first time I've heard of uh, that ASIC producer. I guess, can you tell me about like, the, the market as a whole and, and even how Argo kind of, you know, goes about sourcing equipment. Sure. Um, the, the last thing I just want to say on, on the last point um, about, you know, um, uh, what we we're just talking about in terms of, you know, finance, like, like creativeness, we're, we were fortunate Christian that we were essentially because we were, we came to, to the market a little bit later, you know, we listed in August of 2018, we were kind of born into a bear market. So the way in which we approach, you know, gear purchases is really from an ROI, kind of what we call smart growth mentality, where we try to um, make sure that any machines that we buy are going to ROI within a certain time frame, you know, within a 12 to 18 month time frame. Often they perform better than that, um, but we look at the market and, and look at projections and try to try to do it within that time frame. So, so in terms of, you know, where the ASIC um, market is right now. Obviously, Bitmain is is the biggest name, um, and they've been you know pumping out that the S nineteen series of, of machines are are really good quality. They're super solid. Um, they're a hot commodity, and they're very efficient. Um, and you know, so far they've all been delivered on time, which has been which has been good for for the kind of reliability metric of of the of the you know the um, the 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 manufacturers in general. Yep. But there's, you know, Bitmain is not the only player out there. There's Canan, there's MicroBT, there's InnoSilicon. There's a, a series of, of Chinese, man, you know, manufacturers that are that are producing machines and, and they're all of, of, you know, decent quality. There's also now a second tier. I, I mean, Bitmain's, Bitmain's kind of in a tier of its own. And then there's kind of, you know, the 1B. If, if Bitmain's 1A, then there's 1B where those other companies I mentioned are, are located. And now there's a second tier of, of manufacturers that are coming out. Um, that are you know challenging Bitmain, that are getting access to foundries, that are building their own relationships with uh, you know clients, buyers, and also with with uh, foundries, which which is really the key relationship. Because if you don't, if you can't get chips, then you're not going to be able to build machines. Um, and so I, I think you know we'll see. I, I mean the 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 industry in general, the the mining manufacturing. There's been so it's been so hard. There's been such competition to buy the machines. That you know things like like super duper fantastic customer service has not been part of of the culture of, of machine manufacturers. You know warranties are six to twelve months in general, um, and uh, they generally like sell and then move on to the next and and they and their prices fluctuate depending on the price of Bitcoin. So it's um, it's an it's an industry that you know for us a company like us we want to be as vertically integrated as possible. Um, you know, we want to have great relationships with our with our power suppliers. Um, we want to we want to own our own facilities moving forward, so that we can you know keep our costs down as low as possible. You know, cut out any middlemen. And then on the on the manufacturing side, we want to have great relationships with manufacturers, so that we can get you know machines when we when we need to at a reasonable price. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, and yeah, I mean, again, I'm just kind of an outsider looking in, but. Uh, it seems like an anxi anxiety-inducing um, industry to kind of deal with. Just, 
you know, again, having to, you know, I don't think people understand like, okay, ASIC producers. Yes. You know, there's the tiers of those ASIC producers, but in the grand scheme of foundries, those ASIC producers are all on the bottom tier of foundries, but yet Bitcoin just has such this insane opportunity on the other end that, you know, these kind of under prioritized companies have to figure out a way to produce. And it's been pretty amazing to kind of see, see it just kind of unfold. It's really true. I mean, you're, you're totally right, Christian, like the, you know, like the global of the global chip production, you know, less than 1%, the estimated number is less than 1% goes to cryptocurrency miners, you know, mining machines, um, and, uh, and the likes of you know the companies we were just talking about, and yet you know especially right now, Bitcoin's like captured the imagination of so many people, and people are trading about. So that's just like another reason why supply is in such short, you know, why crypto is in such short supply right now, especially like proof of work crypto like Bitcoin. It's just hard to get your hands on gear, and the gear is really expensive. And then once you get the gear, it's hard to get your hands on low cost power to to run that gear. Um, so. There are lots of about, you know, barriers to entry into the space, um, into the into the mining space. It takes a while to to know what you're doing, to build, you know, the relationships with with the the manufacturers, um, and it takes it takes a long time for the manufacturers to build relationships with the foundries. So that's why we haven't seen just a, a flood of gear coming out. And the metric that shows that this this you know this year so far is mining difficulty. Which hasn't gone up significantly is nowhere near caught up to, you know, the the um, the rise in the price of Bitcoin in terms of percentage, and that's really you know where where you as a miner where you get your mar margin um, calculations from. You look at you know what's difficulty doing in relationship to to Bitcoin, and then you figure out okay you know your mar what's your margin like. I mean our margin Christian for the first quarter of this year was well over eighty percent. Um, and that's so, you know, you think about, uh, you know, the way we calculate our margin, that's our, our power costs and our hosting costs um, taken away from whatever, you know, revenue we're bringing in for Bitcoin. Um, and, and, that, and the Bitcoin is calculated on a daily basis at the price of, of that it's, it's, um, it's minted. So, you know, our, our last month, we mined 9.1 million worth of Bitcoin in March of this year. Um, an enormous amount of that, and our GNA costs are very low. So an enormous amount of that is profit right now, which is amazing. And the reason why that margin is so high is because difficulty has not increased um, as quickly as as many people thought it would. Yeah, I mean, again, there's so many like curveballs there, but the reality is is that it's just not easy to make this equipment. It's not easy to compete in a global market to put this equipment and deploy it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you you pretty much nailed it all there. Um, I, I, I guess just kind of going along the flow of the conversation, you know, kind of half of the equation is acquiring the equipment. The other half is actually deploying that equipment, having it, you know, receiving, deploying, getting the energy contracts in, in Argo's case, you know, prioritizing green energy um, in some cases. I know for the most part, most miners just their, their main proxy is energy is the cheapness of the energy, which usually equals green energy anyways. But I guess, can you just talk a little bit about like, you know, you know, the second half of the equation, which is like, once you actually have the equipment, like, how do you deploy it? What are the challenges that are involved? And how does uh, Argo find success? Yeah, so I mean, the, the main challenge is, is, you know, on, on a kind of a, a, a big picture level is getting 
huge amounts of power, megawatts of power to, you know, machines. And that's, you know, you've got to go from your high voltage to your medium voltage to your low voltage through various transformers and in an efficient manner to get it to your machines. So you're not losing a lot of power. And then once it's at your machines, then you've got to put them in a facility that is, you know, right now the majority of, of Bitcoin right, and crypto mining facilities are air cooled. So, you know, there's tons of fans, there's tons of noise. People are, you know, they think about Bitcoin mining, they think about the, the noise of the fans. And those fans are just sucking huge amounts of air through the machines to cool things as much as they can because the machines are working so hard, they're generating a lot of heat. And, you know, a traditional um, data center, you've got, you know, backup, you've got redundancies, you've got, you know, all, all kinds of, of, of systems. It's, it's, it's super clean in, in, in a lot of them. Um, not that crypto facilities are dirty, but they're, they're the standards of a traditional like tier one, tier two, tier three data center versus a crypto data center are different. Um, you know, there's no air conditioning involved in a, in a crypto mining facility. Um, like I said, they're, they're air cooled. And then they're often in kind of rural areas where they have access to good, good power. Um, and, um, and that's really the name of the game is just, you know, making sure your machines are running as much as they can, as long as they can. And then when they fail, um, having a system to, to fix them and get them back up as soon as, as soon as you can. And that's what, you know, we've worked with various partners in Canada and the U S um, over the years, we've run our own facility. We've, we've partnered with other people at their facilities. Um, and now we're building this flagship facility in Texas, which we're really excited about, which is going to be 200 megawatts. Um, and uh, at least in the, in the first iteration of it, there's access to up to 800 megawatts. And like you said, we really try to focus Christian on, on green power and using renewable power whenever possible. So uh, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't pick your brain about uh, the most recent kind of dramatic hash rate drop over the weekend, or I guess starting kind of Friday, um, a lot of it was pointed to the Mongolia region in China. And, uh, you know, we saw at some points, uh, you know, a negative difficulty adjustment of over 30%, um, which is, you know, historic for Bitcoin. Um, what are your observations of kind of like that event and what kind of, I guess, learnings can you, uh, can you point to? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm just looking at the, the difficulty graph right now and like the, you know, how much hash rate there is on the network and, you know, it's remarkable how much hash power came off. The, the challenge with China, Christian, is that it's just hard to get data that, you know, is reliable coming out of it. But I mean, I'm I'm looking here now. It's remarkable how much it's. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like 30% of hash power has come off. Now it looks like some of it's coming back. Um, it dropped as low as looked like it dropped almost to like 100 below 110, um, and now it's back up around you know 150, and it was it was up around 170. Like this is the the network hash hash rate. Um, so. Um, what does that mean? So it means that, you know, well, we don't know what happened in China and there's different reports. There was some kind of leak at a, at a coal mining facility, the, you know, coal mining um, monitors or, or the, the uh, inspectors shut that facility down and then shut all facilities down like that, um, which is a good thing for the planet. Cause we don't, I personally don't think we should be mining, um, you know, crypto with, with, with coal powered um, energy sources. Um, and, and then, um, and then that took, you know, a huge part of the 
the the the, the hash power offline um, because it wasn't. I think it was above and beyond just coal. They kind of shut down the whole grid and all all Bitcoin miners in that particular part of China. So I think we're we're learning kind of more and more, getting more and more data um, as we go out of you know out of the um, out of China and seeing. But it, again, it's hard to get a, a real clear sense of what happened. But in terms of difficulty, you know, it's kind of too bad that it happened on the 16th or whatever, because there had just been a mining difficulty adjustment. So, and that was up, you know, roughly 2%. And now the next one is, is you know, roughly again, two weeks after that, because mining difficulty adjusts every two weeks. So I'm looking now and the next projected adjustment in, you know, 12 days is down 6%. So it will definitely come down. It won't be a 30% drop. Um, you know, because it's because some of that that hash power will come back online as the power comes back online. But you know, mining difficulty is is just fascinating to watch its correlation to Bitcoin, its correlation to um, you know like economic forces in the world. Every, I mean, I'm sure you know, every fall, you know, when they move machines in China from the rainy you know, at the end of the rainy season to to kind of you know different parts where where um, there's other power during the dry season. To this, re to this uh, region, to the Mongolia region. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. guess apparently up to 30%. <laughs> I guess up to 30%. I mean, yeah, it's like, I think it's the Xinjiang region. region. Um, you know, last year at the end of, end of uh, the rainy season, there was a difficulty adjustment um, down 16%. Um, and that was, and then it came back on over the next two weeks as as the machines were reset up in a different part of the, of the world or a different part of the country in, in, in China's case. But look, it's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to know exactly what's going on in China, but for sure, this was a significant event. Yeah, I mean, and I think the point that you made about this was the express worst time possible for something like this to happen in terms of like Bitcoin cycles, you know, Bitcoin just adjusted up you know, and then all of a sudden the hash rate drops down. So it actually takes longer than the approximate 14 days to uh, to readjust because now blocks are coming kind of coming in slower. Um, but yeah. with that being said, fees are currently at, at record highs, even higher than or finally higher than 2017 levels. Um, yeah. Do you see like a, this dynamic of like fees and blocks coming in slow? Is that something that actually motivates miners to come back online? And like how like what? Have you been observing that? I, I don't. I don't think we're there yet. I mean, it's a question that I get a lot, which is, okay, Peter. So you know, after the next halving and the next halving after that and the next halving after that, you know, Bitcoin mining is going to become, unless Bitcoin's at a million dollars, you know, Bitcoin's going to become like your revenue is going to at least in, into convert into fiat is going to be significantly lower. Are you hopeful that transaction fees are going to make up a big part uh, of your future revenue, given that? You know, mining rewards um, are going to go down, um, and I think the answer is it's too early to see. It's just all like it's just all conjecture. Like we just don't know how much of a role those transaction fees are going to have in the future. I, I think for sure they're going to go up uh, as you know more people are using um, crypto, and as as there's more people on the network and there's more congestion and, and all of that. But it's hard to say to what percentage. Um, but we certainly see in times like this that. There is there is a significant amount of revenue from them. Will it be you know enough to incentivize miners to buy you know the S twenty eight when or S twenty nine when that comes out in you know ten years from now? I I think it's hard to say.
for sure. Okay, I think that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess this is my last question for you, and then uh, we can we can kind of close it out. But um, you know, really from like a jurisdictional perspective, you know, there's been a lot of volatility in China, both infrastructure as well as from a regulatory perspective, and. Argo is operating in North America exclusively, you know, building up this huge home base in Texas, which is awesome. We're now seeing Kentucky even roll out, you know, special treatment for cryptocurrency miners who set up shop in Kentucky. And we're starting to kind of see the the jurisdictional arbitrage game start to come into play as well as miners optimizing for different jurisdictions. Like moving forward, you know, why mine in North America? Like why is North America the place that that Argo is kind of setting up shop. And are there other regions around the world that, you know, look to be favorable for building a mining business? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so we like we like mining in, in North America. And we started, you know, going back to what I was saying when, when we first started the, call, the, the, the podcast about um, setting up in Quebec back in 2018, when we had access to cheap renewables, that was one of the, the big incentives to, to get, you know, to be a miner based in, in, in Canada, based in Quebec. So those incentives are still around um, because the power in North America, in many cases, is, you know, amongst the cheapest in the world. And if you look at, you know, Quebec uh, power, it's like, you know, 3.8 cents. There's cheaper power than in many grids, you know, parts of, of or in some parts of, of the United States. We're, you know, building up this facility in Texas where, Given that we can be a, you know, what I've been, I've been using kind of the accordion uh, uh, metaphor, we can be an accordion, we can, with, at times of big demand, you know, we can, we can use load response and, um, and dial down our power, you know, usage a little bit, um, if need be. And, and for that, we get real access to really cheap power. So I think, I think it's advantageous to be in North America because the costs are still effective. It's obviously a stable political environment. And I think there's two big things moving forward, Christian, that we're going to see in this in this space. One is, as institutions want to hold more Bitcoin on their balance sheet, many of them are concerned that there isn't, you know, um, that many of them are concerned about Bitcoin's energy footprint and are concerned about the emissions that are being caused by, you know, we were just talking about coal miners in China. There's even miners in, in United States that are burning coal to make Bitcoin. Um, and so I think that ESG concerns by institutions who want to have Bitcoin is going to be a big driver for miners using renewable power in North America. Um, and, um, I, I, and then I think the second is, you know, having um, crypto that is understood by regulators, uh, having Bitcoin that is, you know, compliant to a certain degree. We don't know what that means yet, but I think that's why many uh, miners are setting up in North America because they're expecting that as more and more institutions buy Bitcoin and hold it on their balance sheet, um, that um, the regulatory you know, stability of North America is going to be uh, a good place to mine. So, so what we've seen in the last you know, year is mining pools being set up in North America out of China. You know, traditionally, all the big mining pools, F2, Poolin, Slush Fund, uh, Slush Pool, they're all in China. But we've seen in the last you know, year, there's now mining pools being set up in North America, like 
found, you know, DCG Foundry set up a pool, Titan set up a pool, um, and uh, and Argo has teamed up with DMG to set up a pool that is not. And, and so we we think it's good that hash rates coming to North America. We think it's great that it's you know the whole point of crypto is to be decentralized uh, and to be distributed. And as you've seen, you know, like this past week, when it's too centralized in one place, it can be a threat to the network. Transactions slow down. So we want we want it to be distributed. That's that's great. Um, but we also want it to be on clean energy. At least you know from our company's perspective, we want Bitcoin to be synonymous with clean energy and clean energy you know innovation. So we've launched um, a green energy mining pool where uh, the first of its kind, where you will be able to miners will be able to join, and only if you have clean energy can you be part of the pool. And we think that's um, going to be really attractive to to people in the future to be able to say, okay, this this Bitcoin is green. We're working with various partners on how we can make sure that it's not just green wash a green washing pool, but actually. Um, or green washing machine that kind of has like a bit of a resonance to it, but it can, but it's actually a, a significant um, and kind of well thought out and well constructed uh, a mining pool that is actually creating you know green Bitcoin. So we're working on that, um, and uh, we're going to launch it this quarter. And and um, I, I think it I think it should have uh, an impact on incentivizing other miners to use green energy moving forward. That's very interesting. I mean, personally, I. I think that Bitcoin's incentives push people towards green energy in the the long run as it is. Uh, I, I'd be curious to get your take on um, if you believe the same thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I just don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about like saying, hey, these are green Bitcoins or these are not green Bitcoins. I kind of like the fungibility of Bitcoin, right? Like the I kind of like saying is this key. is Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Yeah. No, Bitcoin is Bitcoin. That's I, I totally agree. Um, and you know, if, if there's going to be um, something called green Bitcoin, I think in the end, the way in which it'll be treated is it will come out of a, a pool and it'll go directly into a container that will then be traded. Like the way in which Grayscale was, Grayscale was kind of adding like a fun model is probably the right way to build it. Uh, I mean, potentially there's a, a token model as well, but look, we're, we're working on it. We're trying to figure out the best way to do it. And fungibility is absolutely key. And we can't, you know, we, we're not going to cause a fork. There isn't going to be something called green Bitcoin that trades, you know, differently and separately, like Bitcoin is Bitcoin. But at the same time, there should be an incentive for miners to, to mine with renewable power. So we're, 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 we're working on figuring that out. Um, and we'll hopefully we'll have some announcements uh, on it in the future. Awesome. Well, again, Peter, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I learned a lot and, um, you know, hoping to have you back on as things develop, uh, maybe in six months time, I'm sure uh, a lot more hash rate is going to come online and a lot more uh, drama. But until then, uh, where can people learn more about Argo, learn more about yourself? And uh, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me. Uh, people can learn more about Argo at argoblockchain.com. And uh, we're on Twitter at argoblockchain. And my Twitter handle is at Peter G. Wall. And we're very active on the socials. We just actually made a big announcement today. Can I tell you a quick story before we go? Yeah, absolutely. We, it's not a big announcement. I'm kind of being a bit, a bit, a bit, of, a bit facetious, but um, it's a cool announcement. We sponsored. So as you know, in the UK, there's, you know, like, lots of lots of soccer lots of football teams and they wear you know like um jerseys with yeah 
like with advertising Which team did you sponsor right so you know we've been getting pitches through the through email and through recently like people have been reaching out and even like agents hey do you want to sponsor this team or that team and so i got an email in february from a local six aside recreational team in uh, a suburb of manchester and he's like hey we've got a rec team you know it, it was it was not very much money. You know, we, would you sponsor our shirts and buy us our kit and we'll put Argo in the front. We're all Argo shareholders. Our, our team's all Argo shareholders. So um, we emailed back and said, yeah, let's do it. So we are the sponsor of ARB, ARB, which is our, our stock handle our, um, in the, um, our stock ticker in the, in the US, um, in the UK, sorry, um, ARB FC, which is our, Argo's first uh, football sponsorship uh, of, of a team composed of Argo shareholders. I love that. I love that. We don't need Manchester United. We, we, exactly. we have, we have our team, right? We've Which, got uh, RBFC. And you know, the, the whole point is like crypto is all about like grassroots and empowering everyday people to be, you know, financially independent and to be, you know, connected with each other. And we're, we're all about the little guy. So we, um, we're going to, you know, we sponsored the, 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 this team and, and it's, uh, we're excited about it. All right. Awesome. Well, I, I love that story. Uh, Peter, if people want to learn more about the team, learn more about yourself, you know, is there a place I can find you on Twitter or elsewhere on the internet? Yeah. So at Argo blockchain is our Twitter handle and at Peter G wall is our, that's our main social media, um, spot for sure. All right, cool. Well, again, Peter, thanks so much for coming on to the show. I learned a lot. Uh, to all the Bitcoiners out there, make sure to give Peter a follow. Make sure to follow Bitcoin Magazine while we cover Argo. Uh, they're putting a lot of hash rate onto the network, and we love uh, keeping track of their big buys and uh, their big moves. So uh, Bitcoin Magazine is going to continue to be watching and covering Argo. And uh, you can find me at CK underscore Snarks. Make sure to give us those five-star reviews. Peace. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.